Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, the emoluments pause. Tamara brings the case against her husband, Aaron. Tamara says their kids have too many toys and nowhere to store them. She wants to put a moratorium on incoming gifts for one year. Aaron thinks this is too extreme. Who's right, who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and presents the obscure cultural reference. She gave me life and milk from her breasts, and I gave her a podcast. She nursed me in many a sick room, lifted teaspoons of medicine to my lips, set cold face cloths on my forehead, then led me out into the airy light and taught me to walk and swim, and I, in turn, presented her with a podcast. Here are thousands of meals, she said, and here is clothing and a good education, and here is your podcast, I replied, which I made with a little help from my bailiff. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, please swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, or whatever? I do. I do. do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the bias inherent in his bumper sticker, which says, he who dies with the most toys wins? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Very well. Judge Hodgman? Bailiff Jesse, you should also know that I have a poster in my room which has a picture of a Lamborghini, uh-huh. a champagne bottle, uh-huh. and a beautiful woman. And the caption is, choices. You guys, you guys should know, by the way, litigants, just FYI, Judge John Hodgman is a stage name. Maybe that's not obvious, but it's a stage name used exclusively for judging. His birth name is Doc Hollywood. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Michael J. Fox for the win. Is you that may post- be seated. I'll have order in this room. Order, please. Shut your pie holes. Thank you, Jesse. Your catchphrase. Tamara and Aaron, you may be seated. Aaron, we we were chatting before the thing, and you are a chatty friend. Obviously. Already interrupting you. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. Already. You were bringing it. You were already talking about our, our audio setup before yeah. we even started recording. Do you work in the audio field, sir? Uh, I work in... Film and television, yes. All right. Mr. Know-it-all. I He's try. Judge Judy from the Judge Judy show. <laughs> <laughs> you, whatever you may be, know-it-all, film and television, like a grip, a gaffer, a best boy, a judge, you are the defendant in this case here today in my courtroom. And therefore, for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, you're going to get the first crack at guessing the cultural reference that I made as I entered the courtroom. Uh, Or you may pass that guess along to Tamara. What is your uh, decision, Aaron? I'll pass. Is that okay? Well, it's the classic. It's the coward's way. Oh, wow. I'll do it. That's fine. Now, you're allowed to be a coward in this courtroom. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and show your true colors. Yellow. (laughs) Tamara, Aaron has passed the first guess over to you, hoping that by your guess he might get some clue, some hint some uh, uh, possible guess that he might make himself. Uh, what is your guess? Tamara? I'll guess The Giving Tree the by Shel Silverstein. The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. I'm going to enter that into my guess book, it's, which is now computerized. Beep, boop, boop. All right. Now, <laughs> Tamara. I like that it makes the <laughs> sounds of like a computer from Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> Oh, that's just a little buzz marketing for The Greatest Generation, another podcast on the Maximum Fun Network hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica. Now we come back to you, Aaron. Yes, sir. Tamara guessed The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. What is your guess? My guess would be um, a black metal band by the name of Mayhem's Lyrics or the song Mother, but Mother in this mm-hmm. case would be Satan. Uh-huh. So... Is that correct? No, the song Mother is by Danzig. Okay. Okay. Don't think I don't remember seventh grade, <laughs> sir. <laughs> uh, so what is your guess? Is it Danzig or a different group? Uh, the black metal band Mayhem. Boop, 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 boop. And what was the other part of your guess? It was a very complicated guess. It was guess. too long. Let's cut it down. No, no. Hey, don't worry. I know that you're a top-notch uh, editor in the film business or whatever it is you do. But just tell me the rest of it again, because i got to enter it into the uh, oh, guest computer. Um, 
It's the song Mother by the black metal band Mayhem. Hang on, I'm just... And the Mayhem is spelled in the traditional manner? Correct. Hello, computer. Hello. Hello, computer. <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying to make some transparent aluminum. Is, is that from uh, uh, Star Trek, uh, The Search for San Francisco? Star, <laughs> Star Trek Four: The Gang Saves the Whales. That's right. <laughs> okay, well, we're processing here. Guess what? All guesses are wrong. Sorry, Tamara. Your short and sweet and appropriate guess is wrong. And Aaron, your obviously incorrect guess is obviously incorrect. So, I can now reveal to you that the answer was, it was a paraphrase of a poem by former U.S. Poet Laureate Billy Collins called The Lanyard, which is about a kid making a lanyard at summer camp for his mom, and later reflecting upon how empty a gesture it was to give that lanyard to his mom, and yet how at the time he thought that giving that lanyard <laughs> made them even. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, and when Billy Collins reads this poem, it's a really touching poem, but this is the thing that I saw when seeing him read this poem, and there are videos of him reading it, is that guy has comic chops. This poem is really funny and sad when it is read aloud by him. And this case involves gifts, gifts of toys specifically to children. Uh, and that is the problem. Is that not, Tamara? What is the problem in your home? Yes. The problem isn't specifically with gifts, because I love gifts. Everyone does. But it's more toys. I disagree with you. The Magi I certainly don't. <laughs> you know who else hates gifts? Oh, Henry. <laughs> okay. Gifts. Toys. It's just toys that don't have homes in our home. Our home. We live in an apartment that's 700 square feet. Mm-hmm. And how many children do you have? Two. And Two? a dog who is blind. <laughs> it makes a big difference in how much they see things up. Oh, because that's right. more like having a Roomba. He really is very accurate. <laughs> how old are your children? Four and a half and one and a half. And how? And I'm hoping that your dog is a large dog, like an Irish wolfhound. Oh, that would be good. No, he's medium. A size. blind Irish wolfhound in a in a 700 foot apartment with two children. <laughs> we just wanted to start a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's a challenging space. Um, but I trust you're using it well. But the problem uh, in your mind is. These horrible materialistic children of yours have too many toys and you want to throw them out the window. Is that not right, Tamara? Well, I would say I've done most of the throwing out the window. And now it's just that stuff keeps coming. Like everything has a home now, but stuff just keeps coming in from various relatives and friends and neighbors. So what is the crux of your dispute? What would you have me order if I were to find in your favor? I would request that for the year of 2017 that no gifts would come into our home. So I don't have to find a new home. 2017, that's this year. That's right. Would you apply this retroactively by means of time machine? Just throwing away all our Valentine's Day gifts? No. <laughs> yeah, Valentine's Day just passed here in this timeline. People who are listening in the future probably don't even remember that it happened. We'll talk about your Valentine's Day gifts in a moment. But Aaron, Tamara has uh, proposed a moratorium upon all new gifts into the home. Uh, hang on a second, Tamara. Is that just for just for the children or for you guys as well? Mm-hmm. The children are the problem. Yeah, we don't tend to get a ton of gifts. <laughs> Yeah, no toys for children in 2017, including Hanukkah, Christmas, Church mm-hmm. of Satan, regular day, or whatever you celebrate mm-hmm. in the in winter's time. Mm-hmm. Candle nights, sure. Yeah, including yeah. that. So you will get Aaron a present, presumably. What do you celebrate in the Saturnalia times? Um, we do, yeah, Anything? a little bit. We do both. A little bit of Christmas, Christmas and a little bit of Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Both the other two. That the only two that matter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron. Our country is founded on a Judeo-Christian tradition. I'm starting to sound like a weird Breitbart guy. <laughs> you got to counterbalance the Satanism? Is that one? You can't counterbalance Satan. Satan do what Satan wants. But the point is here that you two will be allowed to give each other and to receive gifts. Like if the Japanese prime minister came to visit your house and brought you an official gift on behalf of the people of Japan, you would be more than glad to accept what I assume was some sort of ancient samurai helmet, and you would put that on your mantelpiece gladly so that it could sit there and taunt your children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yes. And thank you, by the way, Jesse, for getting me back on track and not letting me go down the road of one of my 15-minute Satan monologues. (laughs) Appreciate that. 
<laughs> right. So the moratorium would only be on toys and other gifts for the children. You guys would be able to receive any gifts from any foreign dignitaries and each other. Is that so, Tamara? That's right. I wouldn't make a big deal of giving a gift to Aaron in front of our kids. We don't we don't typically do a lot of gifts. <laughs> what if I ordered that, though? You'd have to. <laughs> sure. Because that is, that is a pretty fierce order that you're asking me to make, to, to deny your, your children toys. Aaron, I presume you are against this idea? Tell me why. A hundred percent. I mean, my theory right now is that I should just um, give Tamara gifts that are just children's toys. <laughs> So there's a loophole already we're finding in this whole thing. Um, You're just giving Tamra bowling balls that say Homer, essentially. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a loophole already. But no. Um, just when I thought I had settled on the one heteronormative married couple case where the woman was coming across as a meanie, <laughs> then you step in. <laughs> And you're like, Mo, Your Honor, guess what? I've got some sick mind games I have yet to play. <laughs> I appreciate that, sir. <laughs> have you considered alternative gifts like donations to charities? I mean, I found that my middle child, who's now three when he was two, definitely really appreciated our support for the Audubon Society, for example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he loves migratory birds. Yeah. I'm eBaying all your toys and giving the money to Planned Parenthood. Interpret that later with your shrink when you're old enough. I have thought that it would be a great thing to do like memberships to museums or something instead of gifts from the grandparents. So is is the issue the, the grandparents? Yes. Where are the gifts flowing from that you want to throw out the window? I do think family in general. In mm -hmm. neighbor, we, we get a lot of yeah gifts and hand-me-downs in general. from. May people. I help her out before I crush her? Um... <laughs> <laughs> her argument. I'll allow your effort. Thank you, Judge. Um, yes, so my parents are a little crazy, and uh -huh. they can be weird about gifts. So this last Christmas, my father made out of two-by-fours raw wood. He just carved sure. a rough, a couple of rough uh, Bigfoot feet. Oh, we are getting ahead of ourselves already. Anyways. Well, no, maybe this is the perfect time to enter the evidence. Why don't you describe what your father... Uh, made while I scroll down to the evidence portion of my of my uh, affidavit. Um, he made two very large Bigfoot feet made out of wood mm -hmm. that have handles, ropes attached to them mm -hmm. that are probably four or five times bigger than my children's feet, you know, so they can pretend that they can walk like a Bigfoot. And really the purpose was to be able to make fake Bigfoot prints in the snow. And yet he knows we live in Los Angeles. Um, so maybe we need to make it in the mud. So what, what we're talking about here are Aaron's dad cut out uh, foot shapes, right? Correct. Bigfoot feet, and then drilled a, a hole in the middle of them lengthwise so that he could loop in uh, a rope. And then the child, presumably the four-year-old, mm -hmm. uh, could put his or her feet on top of that wooden footprint and hold the rope up and then walk around and make... Bigfoot footprints in the snow. And thus be able to murder someone while <laughs> pinning the blame on Bigfoot. Once again, Bigfoot is blamed. Yeah. Uh, so your dad made this and sent it to you? Uh, we were home in Oregon for Christmas. Uh, yeah. Here's what I was going to say. Not only am I um, the most wise judge with, in podcasting, but I also am the world's greatest detective. What I glean from this piece of evidence is that your dad... Uh, and presumably mom uh, or stepmom or whatever. He, your dad lives in some place suburban enough that he can have a workshop of his own mm -hmm. and probably lives in the Pacific Northwest where everyone thinks about Bigfoot all the time. <laughs> or else your dad is Lauren Coleman, the founder of the International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Maine, which could always use, by the way, that would be a good charity to give to in lieu of presents <laughs> this year. <laughs> could always use your help. Very appropriate, yeah. So your dad lives with your mom or stepmom or something or alone or what's the deal? Yeah, my parents live together. They've been married for more than 40 years. And um, let me guess, they have more than 700 feet in their Oregon home? They do. They That's do. Right. Where do they live in Oregon? Uh, Bend, Oregon. So it's a little resort town, central Oregon. Oh, nice. Are they retired? No. They should be soon, but they're not. Oh, okay. Right. So the point is, Tamara... Your father-in-law just wants to create fun toys for your children, and you want to burn those Bigfoot feet right up in front of your kids' eyes. 
I mean, yeah, I, I do. I'm glad that he shows such affection in giving gifts. He does love mm-hmm. to give gifts. Sure. Um, of all kinds of the ones he makes and ones he finds randomly. But our square footage allows. <laughs> Let's put a pin in the one he finds randomly. Let's get back to that in a moment. <laughs> but finish your thought, please. Uh, but our square footage only allows for a certain amount of storage. So we have really specific homes for everything, bins mm-hmm. for everything. And um, of something like a giant wooden Bigfoot thing has just been like floating around our apartment where we've been tripping over it ever since Christmas. Is it just the one? No, there's, the two. there's two. There's, there's two. There's got to be two, right? Yes, yeah. that's right. And what what style are your children? Oh, daughters. They're two both daughters? daughters? Yes, that's okay. right. And does your older daughter uh, love her Bigfoot feet? Um, She she plays with them occasionally. <laughs> she, she doesn't know because she never saw them. <laughs> <laughs> no, she does play with them occasionally. That's actually why I haven't... The fact that she plays with them and picks them up is why I haven't put them like into the yeah. back of a closet or something. What about the, the gifts that your father-in-law just finds? What so was he, that all about? He really loves toy shops. So he'll find novelty toys in toy shops that aren't always small and they aren't always like things that have um, a logical grouping. Like I have a Lego bin for our daughters and a little people bin and magnetiles, wooden blocks, books, you know, like I have general things. But I am really flashing back. You are bringing back some memories. <laughs> when you said mag- magnetiles, I'm like... <laughs> These, these people know their toys. Those are some good toys. Yeah, magnetiles are really amazing. I'm going to go ahead and bug market magnetiles right <laughs> yeah, now. Those, for sure. That's like one of the best toys there is. Do you know what? I think I heard about it from One Bad Mother, oh, from there t- you go. Teresa. Yeah, of course. One Bad Mother, another podcast on the Great Maximum Fun Network. And I'll tell you what, magnetiles. You know, I was talking to the Malort people when we were on Very, Very Fun Day over Chicago. I'm still pursuing a sponsorship. But there's no reason that we can't have both Malort and magnetiles uh, sponsor this podcast so that we're reaching both of our demographics. <laughs> Weird dads and kids. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about the space in your home because you sent some evidence that some pictures of how cramped and well, not cramped, mm-hmm. but but how almost with small boat-like efficiency, you have to stow everything mm-hmm. away. And of course, you can always find the pictures of the evidence uh, on MaximumFun.org on the Judge John Hodgman page. And here I see uh, evidence, a picture of Playroom slash dining room. What I'm seeing is some, what looks like probably some uh, Swedish do-it-yourself mm-hmm. brand uh, wall unit shelving that you have done it yourself, and a fair amount of bins, and a very neat and tidy, clearly uh, post-Valentine's Day, based on the little red heart that's up there, uh, tableau of organization in your home in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't see anything that's particularly out of hand here. What were you trying to get across with this picture? So that's how everything has one place. We don't have, like, the luxury of just, you know, having, like, a a whole playroom where toys can go here or they can go there. Like, if we want to eat dinner, we have to make sure all the toys are put away, and then we fold out our Swedish do-it-yourself dining room table, and then we eat dinner, and then we fold it back down, and the girls can have a playroom again. Wait a minute. where Where is the dining room table in this picture? Oh, it's not in the picture. It's behind oh, okay. me when I was taking the picture. Oh, okay. I thought you were trying to give me the impression that the dining room table folds out of these cupboards. Somewhere. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. And I was like, if you did not send me a video of that, then get off my podcast. <laughs> I want to see your Murphy dining table. All right. It's cramped. Where do you live in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Aaron? It's... I'll ask Aaron. I'll ask Studio Aaron. Studio City. Talk for a little... <laughs> oh, boy. We, on the way over what? here, we were just listening to <laughs> the podcast where the woman, the mother, had an accent. So I subconsciously... I <laughs> uh, just did a little accent there. I'm sorry. What, what, was that a Studio City accent? Yeah, it was the native Studio well, City. Well, y'all, y'all know how we talk up in Studio <laughs> City. People treat it like it's like rule over here. Uh, right. So you're in Studio City, which mm-hmm. is in the hills. The valley. Is that right? Valley. All right. Other side of the hills. Right. And you work in the film industry. Correct. And uh, you have two children and a dog in a very small apartment. Um, do you have any plans to expand your homestead, Aaron, in the future? Is pardon me, but are you uh, judging my income level? <laughs> are you are you asking if I should get a better job? Or um, yes, we want to move, but oh. yes, only one of us is working currently. Holy moly! Wow, that was a lot. I really touched a nerve there, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Dad. <laughs> Wait, I mean Judge Hodgman. <laughs> I, 
I'm just trying to get a sense of whether uh, compact living. I mean, your your family is going to grow. Yeah. And whether you, for the foreseeable future you're going to be living really compact, or or, or whether you're going to spread out like your dad up in Bend, Oregon, someday. But you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, I used to work in a movie theater in Brookline, Massachusetts, called the Coolidge Corner Theater. My favorite place to hang out was the lobby. I think your favorite place to hang out in that movie theater would be the projection booth. <laughs> that took a long time. I'm not even think I'm using this psychological term projection correctly. But you, you got a lot was coming off you with there, and I apologize <laughs> if it touched a nerve. What do you do in the film and television industry? Uh, I'm a reality television show editor. So currently, Oof. yeah, you're grinding it out. Tamara, do you what are you doing these days? I mean, you have two little kids, so I presume you're taking mm. taking a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I stay home with them, and I have. A degree in elementary education, and in the fall, I will be going back to school for speech language pathology. Oh, fantastic. And uh, what's the name of your dog? Griffin. Oh, this is a wonderful family, and I'm sorry if I made uh, Aaron feel self-conscious about where you live. I'm no, just I apologize, questions. Judge. It was, a, it was a harsh reaction. Oh, no, it's cool. I don't, I don't blame you. Basically, I was saying... Why? Why don't you, if you want more toys, why don't you buy a bigger house? <laughs> but Aaron, I don't get the impression that you want me to order in your favor because you want a whole lot of toys. But you just want your children to be able to receive toys from your dad. Is that fair? Yeah, correct. And and anybody, their whole family. So I grew up in a family that got a lot of gifts or at least a few well-thought-out gifts that, you know, were significant. Um, I might... Object to well thought out. It sounds like you got a specific gift in mind, Tamara. What what's I, going on? I think that the consensus between Aaron and his siblings is that his parents' gifts are not exactly what was asked for ever. <laughs> Please uh, continue to get more and more specific as you go forward. For instance, um, we have asked for specific like building toys or toys that go with our daughter's other toys. Um, and we so we've asked for them, or we've made Amazon wish list, or things like that. Things that will fit in, and instead, what we do get is you know things like the you know wooden foot type thing. But also, I mean, it's not only for us. His siblings as well ask for specific things um, over holidays, and then receive r- random ones in return. So requests for specific gifts by, uh, are routinely ignored mm-hmm. by Aaron's mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Are the gifts that you receive typically otherwise appropriate gifts? In other words, are you getting gifts that are, for example, age inappropriate or weather inappropriate as with these <laughs> snowfoot boot make maker objects? Um, a little bit, yeah. Well, our daughter since we have two and they're both girls, they kind of go through the same toys. So if it's not age inappropriate, for one, eventually the other one will grow into it, or you know, eventually they will grow into them. So it's not as much that, but it is just space inappropriate. I do think that if we live somewhere like you know a tiny apartment in Manhattan or something, then we could say, oh, listen, we have a tiny apartment in Manhattan. Really, don't give us big things, and people would understand, like, oh yeah, that's a place where people have tiny apartments. But since we live in LA, I feel like people are like, you can have room. You can probably just go, you know, whatever, move some stuff around. Have your family been to your house and seen the extent to which it's organized like the underneath of the stairs in a Japanese home or something? <laughs> They've seen it. Mm-hmm. They've stayed with us. So it's mm-hmm. been six people in this tiny apartment before us for half a week. What? Know? Why? Because I'm half Mexican. Is that why? What did you say? <laughs> she said because she's half Mexican, which, yes, is racist. <laughs> Well, because it was just very much my because that that does not sound shocking to me at all. Oh, really? Not even a okay. bit. So it was your family. No, no, it's Aaron's family. But just fitting family in a in the small space doesn't seem strange. You should understand that Judge John Hodgman grew up <laughs> in his own apartment inside of a larger, gargantuan, abandoned mansion that was owned by his parents. That's true. You know, that's true. But I've also been in some <laughs> small spaces. I know what a seven. I've lived in a much smaller apartment, and I would never invite my parents to come live with me next to the refrigerator and sleep at night. <laughs> Is it a one bedroom, one and a half bedroom, what, it, two it, bedroom? It's a two bedroom. It's just there's the bedrooms are on the smaller side. Yeah. 
So how did who? So who came and stayed there? Six people. Who, who was it? My parents. Aaron has Your two parents, parents and, and three siblings. And yep. at one point, they've all stayed with us before we had the second oh, yeah. baby. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. Very close. And Tamara, you love your family-in-law, right? Yes. And Aaron, is there any hypocrisy here? Does Tamara uh, dislike the gift receipts from your family more than from her family or anything like that? I would say the only hypocrisy is that she loves getting gifts. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we just celebrated Valentine's Day. And oh, yeah. Let's hear what you, what what'd you guys do for each other. That's one of her favorite holidays, and so she loves having cards and chocolates and gifts, and I bought her a nice massager for her shoulder, electric massager, and then, um, yeah, so she she appreciates that very much, so I think that uh, the joy that she receives through receiving gifts, uh, I think she should be able to have empathy for, you know, not stealing that from our children. I would like to note that because this is a family podcast, I have not commented at all on the Valentine's Day gift of an electric shoulder massager. I would also like to note that I didn't comment either, and I never will. Tamara, are you enjoying your massager? <laughs> Does it help you get the kinks out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Okay. okay. What did you get for Aaron for Valentine's Day? I didn't. <laughs> I just want I just want the audience to know. <laughs> Aaron and Tamara are in the studio with me now and when Judge Hodgman asked that question, Aaron went into what I can only describe as a Beastie Boys style yeah boy pose pointing towards Tamara like here it comes. Here comes the fire. And I would like the audience to know that as far as I can tell, that long pause after I said, what did you get Aaron for Valentine's Day was not a trick of editing. It really oh. happened. <laughs> What's the answer to the question? I did get him um, a board game that hasn't come in the mail from Amazon yet. Which you ordered? Yesterday. Which was Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. You ordered it on Valentine's Day? That's right. That's right. In a board game? Well, he, that's what he wanted. Oh, okay. Well, then that's that's romantic. He made a specific request and you honored it. Yeah. What is the board game? Pandemic. Pandemic. That's adorable. That's the Settlers of Catan of games that aren't <laughs> Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride. Uh, Pandemic is a great game. You know why I like uh, Pandemic, especially if your parents? A lot of chokeables. A lot of small <laughs> pieces. <laughs> You're definitely going to have to clean that up oh, wow. after the fact. No. That's good. You guys will have fun playing that together. <laughs> With all your with all your moms and dads and cousins and so forth, but so Aaron, is there an issue here in terms of a differential feeling about how much clutter is actually in place? Because that comes up a lot on this podcast that one person sees clutter and one person doesn't see clutter. Yes. Do you feel like uh, your house is clean? It could stand to take in more toys or what? Yes. So. I am a, a larger man. I, I I'm a taller man. I have six. I'm seven or six two. Excuse me. Um, and so we have low ceilings, and I'm constantly walking around blind dogs and children who are trying to yeah. grab me. And then, so I do feel it. I do feel the same, you know, spatial kind of claustrophobia. But um, I would gladly sacrifice some of my gifts to see joy on my children's faces, if that's what it means. Okay. Um, and so, but when you look at this, uh, this image of your dining room slash play area slash granddad's bedroom or whatever, <laughs> it's very, very tidy at this moment. Now, I presume that you tidied it up extra nice for sending into the podcast, Tamara, but... Do you feel like it is tidy enough or too tidy and could stand to include some more Bigfoot feet? <laughs> it is perfectly tidy enough. And the reason right. being is because about a few weeks ago, my wife went through a pretty big purge of stuff. Mm-hmm. So did, did she go too far? Uh, I'm not going to say that on a podcast. Why? You're saying everything else. Yeah, I'm saying everything else. Um, no, I love my wife. And honestly, everything of she course. does for our children is uh, is amazing. And she's probably a better parent than I am. But I will say she part of 
this whole extreme uh, no more gifts for the year is kind of part of a larger, more obsessive thing that happens once in a while. You know, this new year came around and she found herself staring at all this junk. That's what she had thought. And so she... You're talking about the Christmas and Hanukkah presents? Mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about a lot of presents. Yeah, a lot of useless toys. And during that same time period, she visited a friend's home that who, who was a minimalist. And so was suddenly inspired to throw out a lot of our stuff, including our uh, entertainment center, console, um, uh, probably more than half of our children's t- uh, clothes, as uh-huh. well as a lot of toys. So there's, you know, this is part of a larger uh, purging of the, the stuff, I suppose. Tamara, you threw out your entertainment center? I replaced it with a smaller one. Oh, Okay. What fueled the purge? You saw this minimalist. Who's your minimalist friend? Does that person have any children or blind dogs? Uh, no, so he doesn't have children or dogs. But also, I think I was more inspired by I actually babysat for a friend who has two kids in a similar sized apartment as we do. And mm-hmm. so she also has less stuff than we had at the moment. So I would say that was more of an inspiration. How far do you want to pare down? Like, are are you at where you want to be or do you want to go Further. No, I think we're we're at a good a good equilibrium. That's why I was hoping not to throw off the equilibrium by adding more. So, like, Aaron, is there something that she threw out that you or you know got rid of that you wish she hadn't? Aside from your beloved entertainment center, I didn't think so. But over the weeks, I've been discovering. Oh, I need like a a child's cup. I can't find the lid for this kid's cup, and she threw out every single one except for like two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like that, or clothes for my kids. I'm trying to dress my kids in the morning, and I can't find some of the appropriate stuff. Do your kids miss any of those toys? No. No? That's oh, that's actually what I wanted to say, though, if I can add to our children's personalities. Um, yeah. They, so she's four, our, our oldest is four and a half, and she is at, I think, probably the last, this is probably the last moment in time that we have where she really would not realize at all if the gifts that she got for her birthday and Christmas, if they were things that were more experiential, if we were like, oh, we're going to do this fun activity for your birthday as opposed to, you know, getting a ton of gifts for your birthday, um, she would not realize and she would not care. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, obviously, our younger one would not as well. And I think that as she gets older, maybe I don't want her to feel other than at school. Like I don't want her to feel like she's the only kid who doesn't get gifts. So, of course, I wouldn't do it if she was older and people were comparing gifts at school or something. But for now, she definitely is not at that age yet. Well, you know, Aaron, Tamara raises a point that there are experiential gifts, like you could take your kids to the zoo for Christmas, which you can do in Los Angeles, and then take them out to an amazing, you know, cool, fun, weird restaurant or something and have a, a good old time. Why do they need the object? I would say we spend more time at home then those ex- those experiential things are great, um, and those are great gifts as well. But um, yeah, we spend most of our time in our in our apartment at home, um, trying to stay busy and active, and trying to figure out little games to play or little stuff to do. So yeah, um, I think you get more use than an experiential gift. I mean, I'm talking for one year. Why is it if they have toys and they have toys that they like, and they don't need more toys and they don't need more Bigfoot paddles? What is it about giving them a physical thing that is more meaningful to you than giving them a, a little day trip someplace? I think for me, I experienced a lot of uh, kind of eye-opening things getting gifts. Like I was given a game as a child that led me into a hobby of like building models, and that was fun. And that was a whole like creative experience that kind of, uh, allowed me to, you know, get into other fields or other things that I was interested in that I wouldn't otherwise normally do. And I, I suppose experiential gifts do that as well. Like maybe our kids want to become zookeepers and we'll get them past the zoo or something, you know. So, yeah, that, that works as well. Um, do you think that your children would recognize experiential gifts such as passes to the zoo as gifts? No. I'm, I've had to think about that as well. I'm not for certain. No, that's I, We would have true. to explain it for sure. It's not the same as getting a, a box wrapped with wrapping paper and you open it up and, oh, this is a surprise and this is from me. Oh, hug. Hey, nice, joy, happy family. 
I, I enjoyed that that little prose poem that Thank you gave you. us right there. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. I mean, basically, if I were to order in your favor, Tamara, you guys are going to have to sit down with your daughters and, and, you know, say, Mommy's going through a phase where she doesn't want you to have presents this year. Are you ready to have that conversation? I don't think that that would be necessary. For the, I don't even think that they would comprehend. You don't think that they would notice that they didn't get to open any packages at Christmas or Hanukkah this year? I don't think so. All right. We'll see. Aaron, I know it's early in 2017, but what do you want to get for your daughters for the holidays? Anything you have in mind? Maybe a drone? <laughs> Maybe a pony? <laughs> Maybe um, uh, Pandemic 2? Um. I haven't given it a ton of thought. Oh, let me uh, okay. look at That's my... Okay, fine. Tamara, what about, while you think about that, what about birthdays? Do they have birthdays? <laughs> they do. Yeah, within two days of each other. Oh. oh that's... So we, like this year, instead of doing a big gift thing, we did have parties and then we also went to France. Oh, that's nice. For everyone's birthday, because my birthday is also in the same month. So we, oh, and I think birthday. she did understand that. I think our daughter did understand that. That that was her birthday gift. That yeah, we were we called it yeah birthday trip. But not going forward, are you going to take her to France again? I mean, maybe something similar. Maybe something a child would like. <laughs> Tell you what, she loves those croissants, <laughs> and she speaks French. God, yeah. If only you could get croissants in Los Angeles, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, or you could get her to go along with the trip to France. You could get her a small little token. That matches the trip. There's a little inexpensive thing, like a packet of uh, Galois, for example. <laughs> Does she speak French, really? Yes. Très bien. Wowee. Jacques Cousteau. You guys are <laughs> awesome. All right. So, Aaron, before I go into my chambers, I'm going to ask you this. What gift do you have in mind for either one of your daughters or both that if I find in Tamara's favor, you will not be able to give to your daughters? What gift will be denied them if I should find in Tamara's favor? This is a chance for you to really guilt trip your wife, in case you didn't get that. <laughs> um, large canvases to paint on. Large canvases to paint on. That sounds practical in your apartment. How large? <laughs> Enough to seven hundred square <laughs> showcase on our walls, on our blank walls. You know, tie him to the blind dog and make a sport of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. You put the canvas on the ground, and then you put paint on the foots of the blind dog, and then you let blind dog walk around, and you all have a good time trashing your apartment. But then you sell that canvas as a beautiful piece of blind dog art <laughs> online. Then you move into a three thousand square foot. New home in Bend, Oregon, right next venture. door to your dad. Yeah. I think I've I think I've got the future for you right there. <laughs> That's not the timeline you want. I'll let it go. But just so you know, I can make that timeline happen for you. But in the meantime, I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. I'm going to go into one of my many five thousand square foot apartments that I call my chambers, and uh, I'll be back in a moment uh, with my verdict. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Tamara, I got to know, when you got rid of all these toys, how did you trick your children? She loved it. My daughter loved the process. She even, so, you know, the what what brings you joy or does this bring you joy concept, she would bring toys in front of her little sister and be like, does this bring you joy? Okay, then we'll keep it, whatever. And then she also brought, speaking of the dog, did it Is to the dog as well. Is this a child or a segment on the Today Show? <laughs> uh, she did it for the dog as well. She picked out some dog toys that he enjoyed as well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant she decided whether the dog oh, no, brought no, no. her joy. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, Buster. You're headed to Goodwill. <laughs> Aaron, do you think that if you made a rule like this, your families would be able to follow it? No, absolutely not. No. She would have to hide the gifts from the kids. She That's would have not- to take the packages that are shipped to us and... Uh, Give them to our neighbors or something, you know? Like, if my children see a box, they're going to want to open it. They get that from their mother. So, yes. I would not throw away a gift that they got in the mail, just to be clear. I think that, that would bring you. 
You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you, it's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Joy. I think that would bring you joy. (laughs) Well, we'll see which side of this brings Judge John Hodgman joy when we come back in just a second. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. So, Tamara, I just want you to know that I am with you. I should recuse myself because I'm sitting here in my office and I'm I'm surrounded um, by wonderful gifts of uh, books and statuettes and, and other little things that people have sent or given me over the years. And every one of them means so much to me, but I'm running out of room to store this stuff. And it's hard to make a decision about what to do. And I'm on the verge of a purge myself. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm just going to have some hard decision making about. Um, probably I'll get rid of some of my books from college. The thing is that gifts um, are a gesture of affection and love, but they are also a little bit of a burden. They're a gesture that says, I like you. I like you so much. I'm going to give you this homework, the homework of unwrapping this thing and then maybe doing something with the packaging and bringing that to the recycling room and then finding some place in your life for this expression of my affection. It's not that the expression of affection isn't appreciated, but ultimately we live in finite space and hard decisions need to be made. Imaginary friend of the show, Mari Kondo, I say imaginary, I believe she is a real person, but I only imagine our friendship, you know, wrote that incredible uh, science fiction book, The Everyday Magic of Tidying Up, in which you talk to every object in your house 
and then uh, it tells you whether or not it's time to go. We'll say that when you receive a gift, um, it, that the magic of it is in the actual transaction of the giving and the receiving. And after that, the gift job is done and you only keep it so long as uh, it is still meaningful to you. And so I admire what you're doing there, uh, Tamara. I admire the fact that you appreciate that your kids are young enough uh, to not have true sentimental attachments except to a, maybe a few beloved items and that there's a lot of stuff that comes into your house from all sides, when you have little kids, you're constantly getting stuff and people are bringing you stuff. And that you have to you have to get rid of some of it eventually, especially if you live in a small challenged place and you have a blind dog running around and you got to make room some, for some pandemic choking cubes for your hubby. <laughs> I appreciate that you are receiving gifts from a family that does not understand your living situation and is, uh, and they're just trying to do the best they can. I don't think that your father means any harm, and in fact, is means uh, the exact opposite of harm when he lovingly saws out the shape of a Bigfoot foot and puts a rope through it and gives it to your daughter. What he does not appreciate is that she is uh, never going to go in the snow in her life <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless there is a, 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 an unexpected deep snowfall in Paris someday when you are visiting there. What to do with all of this stuff and the wave of stuff that comes into your home when you have kids is, is always a challenge. And I, I think that, you know, what I would ask Judge John Hodgman listeners in general to consider as they give gifts to their friends and the children in their lives and the friends in their lives and the family in their lives is to be considerate of the receiver to some degree. Are you giving them not only something that they want, but something that they can actually store um, that is an area in which it sounds like Aaron's family is fallen down on the job. So if you're listening, Aaron's family, if you get specific requests for gifts, that's a good thing to do to give the person something that they can use and like, especially if they're parents and they have kids. Let me also remind Aaron's family that they live in a, essentially a Ikea cardboard box with a dog that can't see and it's challenging for them. And Papa, or what do your kids call your dad, Aaron? Uh, Pepe. Pepe. You know, uh, maybe a thing you could do is uh, make some Bigfoot feet and have them around the house at your house so the kids can play with them when they come and visit you. Pepe. <laughs> Bear in mind, you know, the, the best gift to give is the one that the person would never get for themselves but that's very hard to, you have to know someone very, very well in order to give that kind of gift. And children just don't know what they want at all. So it's best to ask what the parents need and then go from there. All of this is to say, Tamara, is that your impulse is normal. Your house is tidy, finally, after your massive purge. And I appreciate deeply why you want to keep it that way. And the court is on your side. But no way in a million years would I deny your children holiday and birthday presents from their father. I love, to some degree, Tamara, the, the psychological austerity that you are seeking in asking for this gift ban of 12 months. That is like fasting for a day, like your whole family would go through a psychological reset uh, that would be, I think, profound. But for children, I think it's just a little much to ask that they not be able to open up a little pandemic junior game from their dad or whatever it might be. <laughs> and I think, you know, with regard to his family and yours, I mean, Pepe's and, and what do your kids call your, your mother, Aaron? Uh, um, Grammy. Grammy and Pepe's of the world go bonkers. They can't help themselves. They got to give stuff to those kids. They got to make things. They got to do it. And unfortunately, it's our job as adult children and parents is to accept that stuff as graciously as possible and then make room for it for a period of time until next time a thing comes around. So here's what I'm going to say. 
I, I cannot find in your favor, Tamara, as boss and incredibly, like, it's so austere, you'd be the Tilda Swinton of moms if you did this. Like, they would write books about you. But I don't think this experiment is fair to your husband and, and your families. So it's simple. Everything that comes in, something goes out. Maybe something of Aaron's to make room. <laughs> you know, and uh, one thing comes in, something of that size has to go. And Aaron, you may have to be a little bit more involved in picking the thing that's going to go. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. By the way, I'm using one of the 35 gavels that have been made for me by craftspeople all over the world. Yeah, Judge Hodgman, I literally have a gift that I was about to send you sitting on my desk right now. Jesse Thorne, let me say this, all right? this I want this in the podcast. Jesse Thorne gives some of the most thoughtful gifts that I've ever received. I just got a little miniature gavel from Jesse Thorne in the mail that he found at one of his many flea market trolls and the thing is adorable and it's a keepsake that i love here's the beautiful thing about it it's thoughtful it speaks to our relationship it's old uh jesse has incredible good taste so it, it looks awesome and it's tiny it's teeny tiny you know I, that's I, that's the thing that you know i love that jesse and uh, jesse also gave me a hartford whaler zamboni tie tack there's nothing that Jesse Thorne gives me that can't be sent in a teeny tiny box. And it's usually a teeny tiny box of awesome. Man, you're not going to like this rhinoceros I bought you. <laughs> does it have the Hartford Whalers logo tattooed on it? Yeah, it does. The only problem is it's roughly rhinoceros sized. Doesn't matter. If it's got that logo, I want it. Okay, great deal. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Aaron, how are you feeling? Um... I feel okay about the verdict. I, I think it's fair and just and actually makes me feel like the villain when Judge John Hodgman says they're gonna they could write books about you. You could be the Tilda Swinton of moms. And I'm gonna crush that. But uh it's a fair ruling. Tamara, how do you feel? I feel like I didn't I didn't realize that I was coming off as the Tilda Swinton of moms. <laughs> Majestic. Yeah, that's a good thing. Tilda Swinton of Moms, just, you know, just efficient, austere, harsh, but beautiful. Rumored to be the next doctor on Doctor Who. Oh, if my prayers to Satan or God or whatever are ever answered. But go on with your feelings. I'm sorry, Tamara, for interrupting. Oh, but I'll, I'll do. I'll just, I'll make do. Aaron, Tamara, thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Another thrilling Judge John Hodgman podcast in the books. Judge Hodgman, which one should we delete from our podcast feed now that we've put this one out? Um, well, it can't be a Maximum Fun podcast because they're all essential. Yeah. They're quintessential. Ooh. <laughs> they're quintacasts. That's what I call them. Yeah. 
I also call them that. <laughs> Jesse, I don't want you to come away thinking that I don't love your gifts. And I'm not just saying this because it would be incredibly awkward if I didn't. But you really are really good at giving gifts. And I feel like books could be written about your gift giving. Because you, you never not give one where I don't feel like there was a lot of thought in that. Well, I try not to force it. If, I've, if something shows up, it shows up. And the truth is, refusing gifts is not an option. Because gift giving is part of the social lubricant that makes everyone feel good. And then you just quietly throw that rhinoceros with a Hartford Whalers logo tattooed rather expensively on its side away. Sorry, Rhino. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Whaley the Rhino. I mean, honestly, Jesse, why didn't you just get me a whale with a Whalers logo tattooed on it? Well, I don't know if you have the holding tank. You're gonna first of all, you're gonna need to engineer a new material. I recommend transparent aluminum. <laughs> what, what what am I gonna use to create transparent <laughs> aluminum? A computer or something? Hello, computer. Hello, hello, computer. Jesse, what do you have coming up in the world? Oh, you know the usual. It's almost Max Fun Drive time. That's the main yeah. thing. Yeah, that's a great gift that you can give. We should have told them to give their kids uh, donations in their names to Maximum Fun. Yeah, because they, they love uh, the Flophouse so much. Oh, you you that was that was not a gift to me. That was a knife in my neck. Yeah, that's right. The Flophouse is your rival podcast. My arch rivals. <laughs> Even though I adore them and their podcasts. Dave Shumka from Stop Podcasting Yourself filled in for me at very very fun day on Jordan Jesse Go, and at one point. Uh, Jordan asked him to just fill some time or something and just do what I would do. And he just went, uh, I don't know, Carlton Fisk, uh, Bobby Thigpen, Mark Grace. He just named some baseball players and then uh, was went silent again. <laughs> and I was like, uh, all too accurate. Well, I want to say thank you to all of the listeners who came out for a very, very fun day. It was sad. We missed you, Jesse. Obviously, you were home with your brand new baby and your now enormous family and that was natural and normal but we all had a really good time it was a really amazing experience for me personally to do that Q&A for Judge John Hodgman and to hang out with all those listeners um, thank you and uh, thanks also to Jean Grey who as usual did an amazing job as guest bailiff and um, I would just like to say I, I don't have a lot coming up right now because I'm working on my book but uh, Jean does this amazing show, uh, if you're in the New York area or plan to be, at Union Hall uh, on alternate Sundays called The Church of the Infinite You. Uh, and it's Sunday afternoon. It's a, it is church. There is a sermon, and there is singing, and there is clapping along. I saw Ch Kevin and Chelsea there from a previous podcast uh, and uh, made sure that uh, Kevin clapped along. Uh, check it out. It's every other Sunday at Union Hall, and she also does another show there called The Show Show, and you can always check her out at jeangray.bandcamp.com. Calm. She's a really terrific person. And I'm also going to plug another uh, friend of the show, Mr. John Darnielle of Mountain Goats, whose novel, Universal Harvester, is amazing and out now from Farrar Strauss Giroux. And finally, uh, two expert witnesses on this podcast are joining me at the Solid Sound uh, Festival in North Adams, Massachusetts, in, uh, in June of 2017. On the comedy stage, I will be joined by Eugene Merman and the wonderful Nick Offerman, with more guests to come. So I hope you will come and see us if you're going to be in western Massachusetts anytime uh, towards the end of June. Check out uh, Solid Sound on your Google, and you'll find out all the details there. Jesse, who named this case? This week's case was named by Mike Bruni. If you would like to name a future episode of Judge John Hodgman, be sure to like Judge John Hodgman on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. And join the Maximum Fun group on Twitter. We also have a Reddit group that's very active and very pleasant, unlike some Reddit groups from what I hear, MaximumFun.Reddit.com. You can go there to discuss the cases and everything else going on in the Maximum Fun universe. Hashtag it JJHO. Judge Hodgman, if somebody has a case and they're not sure whether to submit it, they should just, uh, they should just turn around and walk away, right? Yeah, they should just go walk into a lake. <laughs> No, don't. Please don't. Don't walk into a lake. Dry yourself off. Go back to your computer. Dial up on your internet, maximumfun.org slash jjho, because uh, therein you will find a form 
that form will send information directly to me. My eyes will read it. My brain will comprehend it. And I will, we will make connection. Even if we do not use your dispute for the show, you don't know. Wait till my brain looks at it, and then I'll know. And even if it's not right for the show, maybe it'll be right for the New York Times Magazine uh, columnette that I do every Sunday in the New York Times Magazine. Maybe it'll be right for a docket, or maybe we'll just sometime get to it down the road. Or maybe it'll just be a chance for me to say, thanks a lot, and I appreciate your listening. I read them all. I enjoy them all. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful for people who write in. So please keep doing it. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer, show part of MaximumFun.org. You can check out all our other great podcasts uh, on the website or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.